Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Right, we're going to carry on today with this month, or it's actually only three weeks, on the subject of generosity. And today I want to talk about a matter of the heart. Generosity, a matter of the heart. Let's all say that. Generosity, a matter of the heart. Let's say it again. Generosity, a matter of the heart. It says in in, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his Come on, let's just say it. Purposed in his heart. Purposed in his heart. Made up in his own mind. Purposed in his heart. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, under pressure. For God loves, he takes pleasure in. This is the amplified version. For God loves. You see, now, there's a sense, absolutely, that God There's not just a sense, there's a truth, there's a fact that God loves everyone. But there's also scriptures which really upset our, oh, God loves everybody type of a statement. God does love everybody, absolutely he does. But you know what Jesus himself said, the Father loves me because I do what he says. How do you get your head around that? Well, you add that into the fact that God loves everybody. But, you know, I love everybody, but I love my wife. Now, I'm not going to compare that to the love of God and the gospel because it is very different and God's love is, is that perfect, pure love. But there's something about what the Holy Spirit is trying to get across here. So fundamentally, absolutely God loves everybody. Equally, unconditionally. But God loves. He takes pleasure in, he prizes above other things and is un... He doesn't want to ever abandon or do without a cheerful and joyous, prompt to do it, giver whose heart is in his giving. And that's an amazing verse. That gives you a little bit of insight into who God wants to hang around with. God doesn't hang around with everybody. He loves everybody, but he hangs around with this sort of person. And I, 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 I don't know about you, but I want him to be hanging around me. I want him to be all over me. I want him to be pouring out from within me. You know, and who was it? It was John the Baptist who said, I've got to decrease and he must increase. Well, that was before the cross. It's no longer I must decrease, he must increase. It's I have died and he lives. It's a very different thing. All of him and none of me. And this really speaks about when somebody's heart is set on giving God says, I'm going to stick with that person. I'm going to stick with them. I'm going to be around them. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there for them. 
I'm just going to be around that person. So today we're going to find out that this generosity from the heart will affect everything, absolutely every part of our life, everything. And I want us to get that into our, into our thought right at the start of today. You see, it's not just one part of our life. It affects everything. When we understand the heart of God, remember we begun this series talking about this is the nature of God. Generosity is the nature of God. It's not just one little bit. Everything about God is generous. And when we enter into that lifestyle, when we understand that that's who God is, therefore that's who I am, because it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and I live from my heart, not from my flesh, then that will affect every part of my life. So it says here, and I'm going to go to one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. And it's favorite because of something that happened some time ago when the light turned on. That's simply what I can say. You know when God speaks to you, you know when you get something for the first time and it's absolutely life-changing. Anybody ever remember that? I mean, you don't get that about everything you ever read, but there are times when you open it up and it just explodes and it changes everything about your life. Everything about your life because that thing is a total mind shift. Well, that's what happened with this scripture passage. And we t- so today I'm going to speak from the sixth chapter of um, Matthew. And we're going to read from verse 19 through to verse 24. And it's a very well-known passage of scripture because it's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, do not lay up for yourselves, this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking, he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth or rust destroy, or where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. I just want to get into every word of this right now. Masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and the God of of stuff, materialism, wealth, money, cash. Now verse 25 goes on to say, Therefore do not worry about your life. The lilies, the birds, and basically he says, God will provide because you mean more to God than anything else. Okay? That's the conduct. I mean, you know, for the sake of time today, I'd love to read the whole chapter before and loads of the chapter after. So that's the context of this. 
what does this scripture passage really deal with? It really deals with our priorities, our values. It deals with our amazing source of supply. It's what this is all about. God will supply. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where your treasure is, your heart will be. Therefore, don't worry. Everything the Gentiles seek, if you seek first the kingdom of God, it's all gonna be supplied from God. God's gonna see to it. You're dressed well, you eat well. That you prosper. All the things the Gentiles seek, that they, they actually sacrifice their life to get. They destroy themselves to get the stuff. All the stuff that they go after, God says, I'm going to make sure you get it. Amazing. And it also deals with the amazing consequences of our heart-given uh, generosity. Now, firstly, just to put this in some kind of context, well, not context, just to really lay some, some thoughts here today. What I love about this is I love the fact God does not want our abundance stolen or destroyed. Can you see the start of what he's saying there? Don't lay it up there because it will be destroyed and stolen. Can you see why he said don't lay it up there? He said don't lay it up there because there it will be destroyed and it will be stolen. Lay it up there and it will not be destroyed and it will not be stolen. So what's the point of that? You see, some people say, don't lay it up down here. Lay it up there because God wants you poor down here. But in the sweet by and by, everything's going to be wonderful. That is not what it's saying in that scripture. It is, it is speaking very clearly about don't lay it up there. Lay it up there because I want you to have it and not lose it. Can you see that? It's not taking it out of, out of context, it's putting it in context. Here, if you lay it up here, it can be destroyed and it can be stolen. Now, isn't the work of our enemy to steal, to kill, and to destroy? So there isn't any surprise here that that's why Jesus is saying what he's saying. Because he's saying, you, you may be in the world, but you're not of the world. The enemy's under your feet. When the enemy came to Jesus, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written, and the devil left him. And that's how we're to live our lives. When the enemy comes in to steal, kill, and to destroy, we speak the word of God, we resist him, and he flees. But his job, his work, is number one, to accuse you and to condemn you and get you to live in shame and guilt and all of that, which is why I'm so glad that it's not my own works that bring me my salvation. It's the free, precious blood of Jesus Christ. So I, don't, I didn't deserve it and I can't lose it. Amen. But the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So here in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus Christ is giving us instruction how to not have it stolen and not have it destroyed. Isn't that good news in the 22nd, 21st century? 22nd, not there yet. 2022. Isn't that good news? That is great news. I want to know how to keep it, not have it stolen. See, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the Bible is really clear. When the thief is found, he must return sevenfold. 
fact, there's a thousandfold elsewhere as well. God hates stealing. He hates it. God is not a taker. He's a giver. He doesn't come and steal your joy. He gives you joy. He doesn't come and steal your peace. He gives you peace. He doesn't come and steal your relationships. He gives you better ones. God is not a taker. He is a giver. We dealt with this last one, you know, on the Sunday before, last Sunday. He wants to come and restore, and the enemy's got to return sevenfold stolen dreams, stolen health, stolen money, stolen stuff, stolen shalom. God is the giver. That's the context of this passage. So, I'm interested in this. Moth and rust, we could really get into it. I'm not going to do a big Bible uh, study today, but that really speaks about devourer, demonic stuff coming and being active in your life to cause stuff to be stolen away. But aren't you glad that the anointing is also a destroyer? What does he destroy? He destroys yokes and he removes burdens. Hallelujah. So there may be a destroyer that, with a small d and he's under our feet but there's also a destroyer the person of the Holy Spirit and he destroys what the enemy wants to use against us some people have got more faith in the destruction of the enemy than they have in the powerful mighty destructive work of the Holy Spirit we got to make sure we got our faith in the right one Haggai chapter 1 says that not enough It says you earn cash, you put it in your pockets and then you go to spend it and it's not there anymore. Where's it gone? It's been stolen and destroyed. It's that not enough syndrome. You reach the end of the month, not enough. And you worked it out that you should have enough but you get to the end of the month and it's not enough. What the heck is going on? Well, there's a devourer somewhere. Hello, are you with me today? There's something going on somewhere that today we've got to get our foot on the neck of in Jesus' mighty name. Because that's the will of God for my life. Come on, let's, say, let's all say, that's the will of God for my life. More than enough, not just enough, and not too little, but too much. Okay, that's the will of God very clearly. He said, you earn your money and you put it in, in hole in your, in your bag, in your pockets, but it's got holes in so you don't have enough. And he said, you know why? He says, because the people are saying, it's not time. It's not time now. Not time for the kingdom of heaven to be built. Not time, not time, not time. It had been time for 18 years. If you look back at the story of Haggai. And it was to do with their priorities. And again, back in Matthew chapter 6, we find a whole passage about priorities. So we're going to deal today with this this matter of the heart. Is that okay? So the first thing today, the faith of the heart. The faith of the heart. If we're dealing with our heart today in this whole area of the abundance of God, then we need to understand Where we put our faith is vitally important. It's the first thing Jesus deals with in this passage. He said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not here on earth. That is a matter of faith. A store has to do with what we put our faith in. What we put our faith in. 
where our security is. Can I put it like that? Where our trust is. I will put stuff where I think it's safe and secure. Matter of the heart, come on, it's the faith of the heart. If I believe that God's system is not as reliable as the world system, guess where I'm going to put my money? I'm going to put it in the world system. Because I don't know if I can trust God. Can we just say it as it is? We're just going to say it as it is. Now it's not completely either or. In the matter of health and healing, we know where our faith is. By His stripes we were healed. Does that mean to say we don't need doctors? No. Does that mean to say we throw away the medicine and we don't do? No. But we know where our faith is. Are you with me? And if, it, if push comes to shove, we go with God. And it's the same in every area of our lives, especially financial, because money is a God. It demands your loyalty. At the end of the passage here, you cannot serve two masters. Money is a master. There is a spiritual power all over it. There's a spiritual power all over it. The Bible is clear. If it rules your life, it will lead you astray. If you chase after it, it's going to cause you to stumble. Yeah? Because it's spiritual. Don't just think it's a 10-pound note or whatever, a, a, a 100-pound you know, account. Or a, or, no. There's something spiritual about it. You know what? People do anything to get it. They'll do stuff they would never dream of. Have you ever had your kids ask, ask you the question or somebody ask you the question, would you do that for a thousand pounds? You know, things like, would you, would you jump out of an airplane, uh, you know, go skydiving? Would you do it for a hundred quid? And I go, no. I would have done it for nothing. I would have paid to do it, but not now. And then they'd say, would you do it for a thousand pounds? What did I say? A thousand pounds. Would you do it for 10,000 pounds? And I said, no. Then they say, would you do it for 50,000 pounds? And I think, okay. I'm prepared. I'm going to say this in a way that will make my point. I'm prepared to suffer whatever I'm going to suffer and change my my priorities because of the amount of money. Would you lie for a thousand pounds? Lie, tell an untruth. No, absolutely not. Would you lie for 50,000 pounds? No, absolutely. Would you lie for 100,000 pounds? Depends what it is. Uh, Not me, not me. But come on, don't tell me that you wouldn't be prepared to blur, to blur lines when the price gets big enough. Oh, not me, I'm a Christian. Yeah, when the pressure comes on, where does that Christianity go? Where does it go now? You see, it's very easy to have our values and our priorities when there's no pressure, but when the pressure is what the pressure's on, what do we really trust? Do we trust the kingdom or do we trust the storehouse of the world? 
door has to do with faith and who is my supplier. Who is my supplier? Is it my job or is it my God? Where is my supply coming from really? Ah, well, God, that salary is from God. Well, hang on a minute. The person who's doing the same job, who's an atheist next to you, is getting paid as well. Is God paying them? It's just a salary, guys. Now, our God opens doors and puts you in the right place at the right time. But a salary is what you work for. What you do with the salary then determines what God is able to supply. Boom. Heaven is not just a place. In fact, if you really get me into the theology of heaven, I'm not going to heaven. I'm staying on this earth for eternity. Hello? That's Bible. New heaven and a new earth and the new Jerusalem comes down to earth. We live on this planet for eternity. Heaven is a kingdom. It's not a place. That's another whole series. And heaven is a source of supply. Which is why the Bible talks about open heaven. Now, we don't have to open heaven anymore. My tithe does not, never has opened the windows of heaven. It did under the law, but it doesn't under grace. I've been preaching this for 30 years. Some people are just getting hold of it. Isn't it funny? People come up here, oh, you know, the Bible says, you know, don't rob God. You can't, you're not, that's Old Testament. When, when you get, the tithe opens the windows of heaven. No, it doesn't. Jesus opened the windows of heaven on resurrection day. And they've never shut. I'm not under heaven. I'm in heaven. I'm in the. I'm not under heaven anymore. I'm in the kingdom of heaven. Why do I need windows opened? I'm in the house. Are you with me? <laughs> My tithe is now a response to being in the house. It's not a, a key to get in. Just totally different. I mean, preaching this for 30 years. (laughs) Heaven is not just a place. It is our source because it is a kingdom. Now, it's not just where we are. It's what we trust in. Do I trust heaven or do I trust the chancellor? Who do I trust? The Bible is full of people who in spite of what was going on around them knew who their source was and so lived above the systems of the world. Amazing. I've got so much to say about that. Jesus first of all addresses the subject of the best place to store your stuff. So we've got to decide, I'm going to store my stuff in heaven. Because Jesus said, do not store it on earth. He said, store it in heaven. 
Now, we're not talking about physical money. Because I can't take my money and put it in the throne room. But I can use it. And where you use it is where you are storing it. Trying to be really simple here today. You know, the more stuff we have, the more temptation there is to not need to trust God. And I'm a wealth preacher. But this is why God will not trust you with wealth if he can't trust what you're going to do with it and where your heart is going to go. You're just not going to do it. You'll be stuck with your salary for the rest of your life instead of getting hold of the source of the kingdom. I don't want to be stuck with my salary. I don't want to be stuck with a pension. I don't want to be stuck with all the stuff that anybody in the world can do because we have an advantage. We have a Jesus. We have a Holy Spirit. We have a Bible. We have the kingdom. We have a storehouse that the world doesn't have. So why am I going to do what the world does when I can do what the kingdom does? Are you with me? Where is your faith? The faith of the heart. My God is my supply. Oh, don't get me started. I shouldn't have put this in my notes, but I did. I've raised my hand. (laughs) I have raised my hand. And that was a direct result of Abraham saying, I'm not going to trust in the storehouse of the world. I'm going to trust in the storehouse of the kingdom. I've raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth then I'm not going to trust in you. I'm not going to take even a thread of a sandal strap from you because I know who supplies my needs. Faith of the heart. And trust and faith are two very different things. See, trust is something that everybody has. Faith is something only a Christian has. Nobody else has faith because faith is of the Holy Spirit. When you give your life to Christ, God puts faith in you. You did not put your faith in Jesus. You received Jesus as Lord, and when you received him, he took the spirit of faith and he put it in you and said, grow that. Use that. Nobody else has got faith. The world can't put faith in God, can't put faith in anything. They've got trust, which is experience Based. We've got faith which is word based. We release our faith from our heart towards the things of God. Faith will mean we're prepared ahead of time. Because we believe in stuff you can't see yet. We've already received it before it happens. I mean, the world's going nuts right now. Oh, I just went online and I did a, a little look at all the companies that are just going up and down and up and down and up and down. One in the last year, I mean, there, there were loads. I just picked a few. Went from 300 
pound a share down to 75. Glad I didn't put my money in that storehouse. Another one went from 500 down to 170. There's nothing wrong with stocks and shares. Absolutely have them, whatever. But where's your faith? Where's your faith? It's not saying don't use your money and save it and have pensions and put it. It's not saying don't do it. It's just saying where's your faith? What do you trust in? Do not love the world or trust the world or anything in the world. Love God, trust God and who God is. That's the first. Anyway, faith. I could speak all all day about that. Second thing. What is the direction of the heart from this Matthew chapter 6? It's very easy to think our actions follow our heart. Our actions follow our heart. But the Bible actually says the opposite. Not exclusively, but the opposite is true also. Our heart will follow what we do with our money. Very clear. What we say determines where our heart goes. What we give determines where our heart goes. And where our heart goes is where we will live. So we've got to get this set today. I'm going to go on next Sunday about some stuff that if we don't get this set today, I might as well not preach next week. Because where your treasure goes, that's where your heart will follow. What I do with my salary determines the state of my heart, the direction of my heart, and what happens as a a result of where my heart is. Because where my heart is determines everything. That's why I began this saying this aspect of um, understanding abundance and the, and the outpouring of our, of our desire to be generous determines every part of our life. Because when I'm generous, that's where my heart goes and that changes everything. Changes everything. Where my heart goes. So the direction of my heart is determined by my words and my giving. I determine my own abundance depending on where my heart is living, which is determined by where I put my treasure. Is this okay today? Is this sort of straight enough? I don't know. If what I've said now, what the Word of God said, what I've just preached is true, then my treasure has to be the most important thing. Has to be. I'll say it again. Where I put my treasure is where my heart will be. You tell me something more important than that. You, say, you try and find something more important than what determines where my heart goes. Because my heart is the most important thing in my life. Where do I want my heart to be? If one will cause the other to move, then we don't live haphazardly, we live on purpose. Where do I want my heart to be? If I want my heart to be there, then I need to, I need to be generous there. If I want my heart to be there, then I need to be generous there. Where I give, my heart will follow. God has made it that we give towards 
what we desire. Because he wants to fulfill the desires of our heart. If I want my desires in my heart to be right, I'm going to give towards the kingdom of God. Then I'll get right desires. Okay, I just need to really speed up with this. Number three, the state of the heart. The state of the heart. Now, this is what was life-changing for me. From this passage many, many years ago. I remember God really spoke to me about this, and I spoke to somebody about it at the time that was an international uh, name. Let's put it that way. Writing loads of books and whatever else. And it so turned his life upside down. He was about to finish a book that he was doing and he went back and he rewrote some of that book and put in all this stuff that I'd had a conversation with him about over dinner. And there was all this stuff at the end of the book because of our conversation and it became life-changing for him and as a result for many thousands of people. And what it was was this. You know in, in verse 22, so God's talking about your treasure, your money, your heart, moths and rust and where's your faith? And then he changes the subject. Jesus was good at that. I'm going to talk about someone else now. I'm going to talk about your eye. The lamp of your body is the eye. And if your eye's good, you'll be full of glory, full of light, full of all the stuff that light is. But if your eye is bad, if your eye is evil, you'll be full of darkness. And you think, okay, now he's talking about holiness. Don't look at stuff you shouldn't be looking at. Don't do it. Now, Okay, that's true. But what was life-changing for me is I found out what Jesus was talking about here and he wasn't talking about what you look at. The expression having a good eye or an evil eye is a Hebrew financial expression. That's what that is. They all knew what he was talking about. If you say a good eye, it means something to these people. If you say an evil eye, it means something to these people. You see, then straight after this passage, he goes on, can't serve God and money. And it's like he changes back to his, you know, it's like, what's that blip in the middle for? It's one big teaching. He's saying, if you want to live in the abundance of God, where you don't have it stolen, it's not destroyed, even when all hell's breaking loose, you're coming out in abundance. Even when everybody's losing everything, you're coming out in the supply of God. If you want to know how to do this, I'm going to tell you, because you can't serve God and mammon, you're going to love one and hate the other, be loyal to one, despise the other, and I'm going to tell you how to do it. Do you want to know how to do it today? Because it's all in these two verses, and it's about the lamp of the body. The lamp of the body is the eye, Therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is evil, you'll be full of darkness. And if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? A good eye and an evil eye are financial expressions referring to the nature and the state of your heart. Holy Spirit, reveal this today. Let's look at the evil eye, Deuteronomy 15. If there is among you a poor man of your brothers within the gates of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart. Everybody say harden your heart. Okay, you shall not harden your heart and you shall not shut your hand. Everybody say shut your hand. Say harden your heart 
shut your hand from the poor brother, but you shall open your hand. We say open your hand and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Everybody say wicked thought in your heart. Say open your heart. Say shut your heart. Harden your heart. Shut your hand rather. Okay. It's pretty heavy stuff. It says, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand and your I be evil against your brother and you, come on guys, you're losing, you're just, it's like, oh no, I can see where he's going. Where is it? Your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he'd cry out against you and it'd be sin among you. You shall surely give to him and your heart shall not be grieved when your heart, can you see it's all about the heart? Evil heart, wicked heart. The state of your heart means you open or you close your hand. And you know what that is all called? Having an evil eye. You know what an evil, I'll give you a New Testament just because people are going to go, oh, Pastor Jay. Matthew 20. Now this is where, oh man, we need to hear this today. This is where people are getting upset about salaries. (laughs) Just saying. And there's this whole people, you know, all these people, somebody agrees to work for a denarius all day long. So that's what they do. And then the, the guy goes out the next hour and the next hour and the next hour and he hires and hires and hires and hires. And then at the end of the day, he starts with the one who's just worked an hour, gives them a denarius. And the ones at the beginning of the day go, ha, 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 we're gonna get more. Why? You agreed for a denarius. Stop moaning. Where's your storehouse? Where's your faith? In comparison, it'll always kill relationship. And so it gets the first one and he gives them a denarius. And it says, when the last man had worked only one hour and you made them equal to us, we borne the burden all day long in the heat of the day. But the, the master answered and said to them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go away. I wish, if I wish to give this man the same as you, what's it? What's, it's nothing to do with you. Is it not lawful to, for me to do what I want with my own business? What's the next passage? Or is your eye evil? What is an evil eye? Hard heart, shut hand. You're getting this. See, I want to know how moths and rust are not going to steal and kill and destroy my stuff. I want to know. And you know what Jesus said? It's a matter of the heart. And it's a matter, therefore, of your eye. If your eye is evil, now, 
Next Sunday, we're going to be dealing with some stuff about the blessing of God and how we restrict the blessing of God because we only ever want to give downwards. What do I mean by that? They don't need it. I'm not giving to them. The Bible does not say just give to need. It says give where your heart wants to go. So that's the evil eye. What is an evil eye? And I'm going to give you my quote on this. It is to see an opportunity to bless, but to think a wicked thought, harden your heart and shut your hand. That is what evil eye means in the Bible. Now let's lighten up a bit. Let's see the good eye. Proverbs 22 verse 9. He who has a good eye, one version says good eye. The the New King James actually says a generous eye because that's what it's talking about. And I love that they get this. He who has a generous eye, a good eye, will be blessed because he gives his bread to the poor. What is a good eye? A good eye, if we know what an evil eye is, to see an opportunity, have a wicked thought, harden your heart, shut your hand. What is a good eye? Well, it's going to be the opposite, isn't it? It is to see an opportunity to bless to soften your heart, open your hand, and go ahead. Amen. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this today? See, I don't want moths and rust in my life. So therefore, I need a soft heart and an open hand. Because that determines how full of glory I am. As we close, point number four, my generosity, can I put it like this, having a good eye, which is see an opportunity to bless, soften my heart, open my hand and be generous, releases God's glory in my life. This is a fundamental principle in God's word. You see, we are either generous towards the world or we are generous towards the kingdom when I say generous where do we open our hand well I open my hand towards my hobbies I open my hand towards my clothes I get do you want us to go back to the context of this therefore don't worry about your clothes, about what you're going to eat. God knows. Seek first the kingdom. Soft heart, open hand towards the kingdom. Now we're going to find out what that means next week. It doesn't mean to say empty your bank account and put it in the church. It's not what it means. We're talking about where's your faith? Come on. The state of your heart, is it hard Or is it soft? We're either generous towards the world or we're generous towards the kingdom. The more we love, honour, serve and are generous towards the God of money, the more we are filled with darkness. Did you get that? The more we love, 
honour, serve and are generous towards the God of money, we are filled with darkness. That's what he's saying. He's saying, okay, I'm telling you how to not have your stuff stolen. I'm telling you how to not have your wealth destroyed. I'm I'm telling you how to prosper. I'm telling you how to be abundant in all things, have more than enough. We're going to clarify that next week. What does that mean? Because we're talking financially here. This is a money passage. Mammon is money. You can't take it out of context. Oh, let's just be spiritual about this. No, let's be scriptural about this. See what it says. What does it mean to be filled with darkness? Confusion, wrong decisions, sin, heaviness, depression, selfishness. You tell me what darkness means. Darkness is all the bad stuff. Unforgiveness, offence. I said last week as a pretty glib sort of, it wasn't glib, but it it could sound very superficial. Generous people are the happiest people on earth. Can we see why now? Hard heart, closed hand, full of darkness, bad place to be. I don't know what to do. When all hell breaks loose, I go down with the ship. Everything's going bad here. When the economy changes, I suffer. Soft heart, open hand, I live independent of whatever else goes on in the world. Why? Because I'm full of light. What is the light in Scripture? Well, number one, it's the revealed Word of God. When I want to hear from God, or I need to hear from, I'm not just talking about on a daily basis. When I want to hear from God, I will give. Because the Word of God says, if I need an answer, God, I need to hear your voice. I need to see this. I need the light of your Word. Isn't His Word a lamp and a light? When I need to hear from God, I will give an offering. And that can be many. I'm not just talking about in a church. I'm talking, I will give. Why? Because my faith is with my storehouse and my supplier. So God, I will give. And in Jesus' mighty name, I believe I receive revelation on this. On this issue. What do I do? How do I move forwards with this? Revelation. It means, light means the presence of of Almighty God. When I say, you know, generous people are the happiest people, it's because they're full of the presence of God. It's not a natural thing. It's not they're happy, therefore they give. I mean, happiness isn't even even the word, really, scripturally. Happiness has to do with your circumstances. A hap is a circumstance. Perhaps is a circumstance that might happen. Um, A mishap is a hap that has gone wrong. Happy is I feeling an emotion because something's gone well for me. Unhappy is I'm feeling bad because the circumstance hasn't gone my way. Aren't you glad that when you give, you're not in that happy realm, you're in that joyful realm? 
light is the joy of God. You can give your way into strength. You can give your way. See, this is where people who think in a carnal way don't get it. What, you're paying for healing? Nothing to do with it. Where my treasure is, that's where my heart goes. If I need the light of God's Word for me to walk in health, then I'm going to give and health will be the result. Because light brings healing. You want a scripture for that? John 9, Jesus said, this guy is born blind. Nothing to do with sin, nothing to do with his parents. It's just how he was born. He said, but you know what? While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Be healed. Healing, he was saying, is a work of light. If I'm going to be a healed man, I need to be a generous man. Not earning it, not deserving it. We walk by faith. And where does faith come from? Revelation. My giving, this is... I want to go back to the very first things I said. This affects everything. Every part of my life. Because if I want to walk in faith in an area, I need revelation in that area. My giving determines my revelation. Where my treasure is, that's where my heart will follow. And I'll be full of light. Are you getting anything out of this? I need to, I need to close. Light is anointing. Light is is favour if I'm going to be full of light and it's determined by soft heart open hand then my generosity is going to affect everything because it determines how much I'm filled with God's spirit Luke 16 and I encourage you to read this on your own sometime another parable out of straight out of the mouth of Jesus He said, if you can be trusted with your money, God will give you true riches. What's true riches? Do a study on that. The anointing power of the Holy Spirit in your life. See, it's storeroom stuff. Did you get anything out of this today? Should we all stand to our feet right now? all the way through the Old Testament they gave an offering the glory fell I want us to understand today I can determine not the only determining factor but I can determine how anointed I am now I've got to walk in the spirit walk in love walk in compassion of course we're not just saying this is the only thing but can I just say it's a principal thing It's at the heart of the matter. Hard heart, closed hand. Soft heart, open hand. Let's pray, shall we, today? Holy Spirit, we right now just want to set our minds on things above. Lord, your word is so clear here. Do not store up. Do not trust in the things of this world, but trust in the kingdom. Don't serve money, serve God. Don't 
hate God and love money. Love God and hate money. That's what your word is saying here. The God of money, the driving force to be absorbed by selfishness and greed and independence of you. But God, we want dependence upon you. Lord, we want to live Jesus like you live. They paid tax, they went fishing. Open the mouth of a fish. Why? Because Jesus, you had a good eye. Everywhere you went, you softened your heart and opened your hand. And Lord, we thank you. This is the nature of God. We are surrounded, Lord, by a world that's screaming out in need. And Lord, yeah, we're going to learn what it is to give and wise giving and all that sort of stuff. But Father God, today it's the matter of the heart. Are we just excusing the fact that we've got a hard heart? Or are we allowing you, Holy Spirit, to come in and really do a work in us that the character and the nature of the generosity of God flows through us as a believer? So Holy Spirit, right now, we just open ourselves and say, Holy Spirit, do a work in me. Lord, you said in the New Testament, you said, beware lest there be in any of us an evil heart of unbelief. Hard heart of unbelief. And Lord, right now, we lay it all out there before you. And thank you for Holy Spirit, your grace right now. This is not a condemnation thing. This is a growing, growing matter for us to be more Christ-like and more, more of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for a good eye. Thank you for a good eye. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And right now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here today and you know you need to respond to Jesus, to receive him as your Lord and Savior, We've been talking about generosity and all of that, but right now we're going to the heart of the matter again. What is the state of your heart? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He died for you. He paid the price. He shed his blood to deal with the death and the sin that you were born with. And right now the only response we can have because of the amazing love of God is to say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to receive you today as my Lord and Savior. Perhaps you've done that years ago, but you know what? You're not living like it. You're a Sunday Christian. You're a a traditional Christian. I, I believe it. Well, come on, it's far more than that. It's living it. And it's having that love and the life of God like an engine on the inside. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Lord, or perhaps you have, but you know you need to come back to Him today and say, Jesus, come on, I give you my life again with every eye closed and every head bowed. If that's you today, you're going to be bold right now. Come on, this is not a timid thing we're doing. This is our eternity right now. You're going to lift your hand in this auditorium right now, please. If you're here to say, Jesus, come into my life, come on, make me a brand new person. Is there anybody here today? God bless you. Is there anybody else here? Come on, as I look across this auditorium, please do not leave today without settling your relationship with God. Wonderful. Is there anybody else here today? 
Come on, there's people responding today. Please don't leave this place today. Don't, don't just say, well, I just believe in a God. No, come on, respond to him today. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. Is there anybody else here today? Wonderful. Let's all pray this prayer together, especially those that have responded. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. You've demonstrated your love by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross to give me life. Thank you, Jesus. I receive you today as my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. I turn away from the way I've lived apart from you. And by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I receive eternal life in Jesus' name. Wonderful. Come on, should we give God some praise today?